0: to I Quit My Job, a Canadian songwriting podcast with your hosts Derek Harrison and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job, I quit my job, I quit my job, I'm free today.
1: Hello and welcome to the first episode of I Quit My Job. I'm Derek Harrison. That song you just heard is by Old Man Ludiki from his album Hinterland, released in 2006 on True North Records. I wanted to name the podcast after that song for a couple of reasons. First of all, for a Canadian podcast about songwriting, I thought it made sense to name it after a song by a Canadian songwriter as highly respected among songwriters as he is. It also conveniently answers the question of what a theme song should be. Secondly, as the song romanticizes, quitting your job is something musicians and all artists have to do to take it to the next level. It's one of the steps. I first met Old Man Ludicke in 2008 at Fog Lounge in Windsor, Ontario. He was playing in a group called the Pan-Canadian New Folk Ensemble, and this was the first date on their first and so far only national tour. I was sold on the name alone, the Pan-Canadian New Folk Ensemble. It was a six-piece led by him, Christine Fellows, and Kim Barlow, though I didn't know any of them before that night. So in one fell swoop, I was introduced to these three fantastic Canadian songwriters, and I've been listening to them ever since. This podcast was conceived by my co-host Travis Reitzma, Each episode, we'll be sitting down with a different songwriter and talking about their approach to songwriting, why they write songs, and what makes a good song. This first episode is a little bit different, though, because it's just the two of us basically brainstorming what the podcast is going to be about. It feels a bit weird without that third voice in the room giving us a focus, but it serves as an introduction to what I Quit My Job is all about. So here we go. I mean, I'm sure you've been asked many, many times, how do you write a song? Yeah. I've like, asked people to teach me how to. But also to just what's your process? To? Yeah. And yeah. my answer is like, it depends on the song. Sometimes I sit down and it just happens. Yeah. And other times I slave over it and, and, and it's a long gestation period. So it can go either way. And I think each songwriter, I don't know of any songwriters who only write songs in one way, who, ha- who have a r- ritualistic relationship with it.
0: Yeah. I've, I've, I used to try and pin down a way to do it. Um, I used to try and I would sit down and pick up, I'd pick up my guitar and I'd be like, okay, I'm writing a song now. And if I, if I found a formula that worked that one time, I would think, okay, that's how I do it now. So then the next time I pick up the guitar, I try to do, try to do the exact same things. And this and, fits in with your... And it the would fact, fail, right?
1: <laughs> the fact that... Oh, yeah. And of the two of us, you're the one who's a sports fan. Yeah. So it reminds me of like people who wear the same
0: you know, boxer shorts every yeah. Time, yeah. since the last time their hockey team like won. The same time of day, the same room, the same lighting, the same notebook. Right. It becomes you know, ritualistic. Yeah, it becomes ritualistic. I know that that, to an extent, does work for some people. It does not work for me at no. all. No. I can't...
1: If I sit down to write a song, it almost never works.
0: No. Very, very rarely. That's been my problem the last few years when I when the the pace at which I've written songs has slowed down so much. It's because I've been I I haven't allowed myself the time to sit and play. Which I think is that that's the one thing I do have to do. I have to sit down and play for at least a half an hour, probably an hour. Yeah. Before anything
1: good happens. Before
0: anything good happens and just start like try to learn a cover or uh, you know, an old folk tune, or, yeah. or, or try to relearn something that I wrote years ago and try to put a different spin on it, right, and right. then out of that will come some other thing a yeah. lot of the time.
1: Yeah, and it often happens when you're playing a cover, or you're just jamming along, like, you know, I'll be playing an old Wilco song from memory, and it'll just convert into something else. Yeah, and
0: using the same chord, a slightly different structure, yeah. and all of a sudden you've got this totally new melody, this totally new chord structure, something that... that you can use because mm-hmm. I mean that's really all all songwriting is it's building on what's already out there anybody who says you have to be totally 100% original and coming up with your own things I mean it ultimately you're building on something else
1: yeah and that I mean that's why we have genres and stuff and the thing is that if there was if if you were to hear I think if you were to hear a truly original piece of music a piece of music that's 100% original it would just be awful
0: yeah it would it. sound
1: terrible and it would yeah. make no sense it would have no
0: context uh, it isn't so much about composition of a piece of music. Uh, that's a different thing. That's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. A song, Songwriting is, is, is a different practice. It's and a- I can't
1: describe exactly how. Yeah, which, which is <laughs> which the thing. Is we're not going to have
0: any answers on this podcast. But we're going to try to find the answers. Yeah. And little by the, little. The idea is in every episode, uh, this is the only one. Hopefully you'll hear that it's just the two of us. Uh, you'll hopefully hear a guest on every episode, someone who is a good songwriter, someone who's been touring or has released albums, or maybe not, maybe someone who we not just even. think is a really great songwriter. Who well, What hasn't...
1: matters is it's, is that the person's going to be handpicked by you and I, someone that we both think has something to contribute to the idea of what mm-hmm. good songwriting is and what the art or craft yeah. of songwriting is. Yeah. I haven't. I don't know if it's an art or craft either. Like Obviously, it depends who's <laughs> writing. Could it be both? Because there's all, you know, all these people who go to these songwriting colleges... At that point, sometimes you hear a song, and it's like an old, beautiful oak table. But, you know, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't compare an oak table, you wouldn't put an oak table that's very well crafted and very excellently done into a museum. No. No, that's saved for art. And where is that line between craftsmanship and
0: art? I'm very interested in what what makes a good song Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, And it... It's it's something that's very difficult. Like when I when I try to when I try to articulate what it is that makes a song good, I don't know where to start. Yeah, because I can hear I can hear two very similar songs. Uh, maybe they have similar chord structures, they have similar timing patterns. It, they're just similar, but one could be great and the other one could be total shit. So like where how do you?
1: And and it's it's almost like that's that happens in your head. It's like yeah. you just. Say okay, this one's a good one. This one's a good song, and this one isn't. And that's all. That's the only information you can provide. Somewhere mm. in your head, there, some p- piece of your brain is making that decision, but you have no re- real explanation for what, why you reach that decision.
0: Look, like we were just we were just listening. I was listening as as you came over tonight. I had a, a YouTube video of, uh, of an old core medicine show, up uh, on my computer, and, I should like. <laughs> old Crow Medicine Show. They they play old old timey instruments. They sing in old timey ways. I, like it's it's everything that I like uh, texturally. Yeah. I listen to it and I don't really like it. Yeah, there's something missing. What is it that it's? But what is it that's missing? Or like when we uh, I went to the, the Ryan Adams concert in uh, in Detroit pretty recently and uh, Butch Walker, this guy, opened up for him and i again it was the same thing it's like i should like this <laughs> i don't like this what it has all the right sounds has all the right sounds even some of the lyrics were 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 okay stuck with you and lyrics are a big thing for me if if the lyrics are total crap if they're cliche then i'm i'm immediately going to not like it even if everything else is great i uh, yeah i'm the same way and
1: i find that but i find that it often goes mm-hmm. along you know you don't often hear a bad music, a bad songwriter who has great lyrics. No, that's really rare. I don't know why.
0: No, they, yeah, they kind of go it's... hand in hand. But I mean, I, maybe maybe Bonnie Bear is an example. Uh, I I don't know if he has great lyrics though. He doesn't, and that's the thing. Uh, if you, like, oh, I thought that's what you're saying. Well, no, I, I there's a distinction too. Uh, I really, really love Bonnie Bear's first album, uh, "Forever Forever Emma Ago Forever for what is that? For Emma Forever. For Emma ago. Forever ago. That's what it is. Uh, I really love that album. He's not singing lyrics that make sense. No, just they're just lyrics that that it's words that sound nice together. But that works. That's okay too. Uh, I'm not, but I'm not listening to him. Yeah, and I'm not listening to it for lyrical quality. I'm listening to it for the way the words sound together.
1: My my opinion of that album is that it's a time and a place album. Is that it? Is I don't think it's aged well. Yeah, maybe I th- not. I think when it came out, it was just the perfect time for the for a Log Cabin album <laughs> to come out. And out, a Recluse goes in, into the woods for a winter and comes out with this really woodsy, lo-fi, home-produced thing mm-hmm. that just sounds really pretty. Yeah. And,
0: the, and that was right at the time when that was becoming popular. Yeah, yeah and it was right it before. Crisp. It
1: was right when people started, like it was after Sufjan Stevens was here and people were like, Interested in what folk music or what contemporary
0: singer-songwriting is, but didn't know anything about it yet. I don't know what that ephemeral thing is, and I know it's completely subjective. And one person's masterpiece is another person's piece of shit. See, this is one of the things I want to talk about a lot. Is I want. I think there is objectivity in it. Oh, of course, somewhere there, there's some and I want level. to find it. It's it's like any art form, right? Yeah. Uh, going back to whether or not it's an art or a craft. Assuming it's an art, which I I consider it to be there you there has to be some objective quality otherwise the five-year-old you know who plays their you know little mini toy ukulele could be writing brilliant songs right you know they're, 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 and maybe that's the case but nah. there needs to be nah. there needs to be some <laughs> level of of objectivity to it but what what is that
1: this was your idea this podcast was your idea originally and i wanted to ask you where well, where it came from
0: it's kind of a, it, it's, it was my idea mostly. Uh, it's, it's inspired by uh, our good friend Ron Leary, um, who we hope to have on the podcast very soon. Um, he used to host a show on C-Jam, and he would bring in different songwriters to talk about what, you know, just what about their music and about what they do. But he had this idea to do this other show on C-Jam called The Traveling Salesman, where he would bring in a Canadian musician and ask them about their experiences touring on the road and what it's like to be a Canadian musician. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of came out of that. I kind of thought, wow, it'd be really cool to do that, but with songwriting process, uh, and you could get at those other get at those other things within that as well. Yeah, because they're all tied together. They're all tied together. And then I was going to do it with another musician a few years ago, and it just didn't end up happening. But I think that. Uh, and then you said it to me, and I fell in love with the idea. Yeah. And now
1: I'm all gung
0: ho. Yeah, you're all gung ho. But and the thing is, it's it's I think it's it's interesting partially for selfish reasons. I feel like if I can get talented people in here to talk about how they write songs, maybe that will make me a better songwriter. And so maybe the... <laughs> they'll
1: ask you to open for them and go on. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and, sure, yeah, there's that too. Um, but, you know, like, I, I'm I'm interested because personally speaking, I'm in a bit of a rut songwriting-wise and have been now for a few years. That's not to say I haven't yeah, written anything. I've written songs. I've, I've actually written a lot of songs that have ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, like 90% of my songs recently have been... I'll come back to them the next day and trash them. And just oh yeah, that's not yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, you
1: never know the first day.
0: Yeah, you never but know. But the
1: next day half the time, if not more, it's like, oh that's not good.
0: Yeah, exactly. And but I mean for me it's been much higher than that lately. And so like I've still been writing, I've still been making the effort to write, and I've been getting better at playing the guitar, better at singing. It's been it's just been a while since I've had like a really like the really strong inclination to write a bunch of songs. And I th- it will come back. I know people sure. go through these, these, these things where, like, you know. Yeah, sure, I've just come out of one. Yeah. And I mean, before that, I wrote three albums worth of songs in a span of two years. <laughs> you know, like, it w- It so was quite
1: a significant drop off.
0: Yeah. And that was the first real big uh, bunch that I had.
1: To come back around to the traveling salesman idea and connect these together, I think one of the differences might be the fact that I've been focusing on music as my priority for about you know three years now yeah and i've been out of school and i've been traveling with bands and as a solo artist and uh and you've been
0: i've been in here yes
1: and you haven't (laughs) played an out of town gig in i don't know uh
0: five years well four three or four yeah probably and even then it was like chatham so (laughs) which doesn't really count
1: it's it's
0: (laughs) out of town technically yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and and part of it is because I got sick of my own solo stuff and was trying for about two years to find a band that I could, uh, which I've now found, and, and I'm very happy with, with the band I've got, Diane Motel. Uh, and, and I feel like that may inspire it. And it has it has worked. I've written more. I've been writing more. I've been making more Since of an effort. Since the band began? Yeah, I've making more, more of an effort to put time aside to play music. But yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in graduate school I'm I'm busy as all hell, and it's difficult mm-hmm. to find time to to do it. And because I know ultimately as much as I love songwriting, as much as I love music, I don't think it's something that I could do as a career because I know how difficult it is and how much sacrifice you have to make, how much poverty you have to live with, uh, to do it.
1: But you also have a thing which takes your time outside of work. The thing is I do, I I have a day job and almost all working Canadian musicians have day jobs. Yeah, of course. Um, but it's a day job that I leave at work when I'm done. It's not like being in school where you always have to be thinking about this stuff. So, music can still be my priority even though it's not my full-time gig.
0: Mm-hmm. It can
1: still be the thing I put the most thought into and put the most time into and effort. Yeah. and care the most
0: about. But at the same time, I don't think I've ever that's I don't think that's ever been my reality. Uh and I've been able We've to have been in school for a decade. I've been in school for a decade and and even when I when I went through that really uh that the, the writing of probably about 30, 40 r- what I consider to be decent songs at least uh, happened when I was in early part, the early part of grad school so I was not any less busy True, oh, that's a good point and I, it was never my priority to be a musician but it just sort of happened more naturally I think that comes with that first big rush of songs you get because you have this entire canvas of things you can write about You have a whole lifetime, you have a whole lifetime that you haven't experiences. tapped into yet Exactly, and then you get to a certain point I think I think I think to an extent probably every songwriter goes through this, they get to a point where okay, I've written about all that. now what do I write about but i th-
1: I do think we all and I and I go through that a lot of times where I'm sit down and I start writing something and I'm like, I've been to this territory before, but the more I think about it, the more I think that's what you do is is you dive deeper and deeper into the things you have talked about because mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I started creative writing in school, and I had a professor once who told me that. By the time you're 18 years old, you have enough material to sustain an entire career of writing, and I think that's true of songwriting. Yeah, you just look back on that material in different ways as you get older. Mm-hmm. But everything, you know, comes from the beginning, and it's all whatever happened to you in those years is just stuff that you're working through for the next 60 years yeah. after
0: that. I think. I think the other thing too, I've gone through quite a. a in terms of my influences, quite a transformation over that time. I, I think I'm still discovering what, what type of music I want to be influenced by, if that makes sense. I feel like like I'm, I'm becoming more of a folk fan. I've always been a folk fan to an extent, but I came out of, I came out of rock. That's where, you know, the, the sort of alternative 90s stuff, that's where I learned how to play guitar, was that Our Lady Peace, Matthew Goodman, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, so I came out of that, and then slowly over time, I've been working in the country folk side, and now I feel like I still have all of this stuff to get through, like to listen to, and to really absorb. And and I think part of it is that, like, I'm not there yet. I, d- I can't write those songs yet, and so maybe I don't want to yet. But, you know, and okay. I, that's not to say that I have, like I say, I'm still writing. It's just I feel like there's maybe that mental block there.
1: It It reminds me of this thing that happens and I've talked about this with other songwriters, but it's happened to me quite a few, quite a bit, and quite a few times recently. Like every few months, I'll write a song and I'll sit down with it for like a week or so, and I'll look on, look at it, and I'll say, "You know what? I think that's the song I've been trying to write." Mm-hmm. Like the last twenty songs I've written, yeah, we're all just me trying to write this yeah. specific song. And then as soon as I pass that, I start. It changes the way I write, mm-hmm. and I'm going and I'm trying to do something different now, mm-hmm. even if it's very subtle, the difference, but. Um I think in a lot of ways and I, I mean I, I think we are probably going to end up talking to some people who write rarely and keep every song. Yeah. I've heard about this thing. I don't Yeah, people do that. I don't know if it's a myth.
0: Um who was it? But I th- I've heard stories about people that work like this. I don't understand it. Well this this gets in maybe we can we can talk briefly about another this uh, comes more into uh lyric writing. Um there's many different ways to approach it. Like we've already mentioned, the Bonnie Iver way, where he just sort of mouths words, and I think Tom York to an extent and Radiohead does this as well. And a little bit of, uh, Andrew Bird.
1: Although yeah, Andrew Bird he seems yeah.
0: to be able to get more sense out of it at the end. Yeah, of the day. And, and but he's
1: very interested in just the sound of words.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so there's that. There's that. There's also uh, what I try to do, and I think a lot of my songs that end up on the cutting room floor. Fail at this. Uh, I try to write a story. I come up with a story in my head. Wouldn't it be really great to write a song about this? and then i sit down to write that song and maybe it maybe it works out sometimes it does and a lot of the time it doesn't because it's really hard to do that it turns out really hard it's to make it's harder yeah and, well, at the, least for me yeah but i feel like that's that's kind of the folk tradition right it is is a storytelling mechanism and that touches on
1: on a question i want to talk about particularly because this podcast is going to be at least at first it's going to be quite canadian centric and we're going to mm-hmm. be talking about what it is that it, we, we're going to be looking for Canadianness as well in songwriting, and we've talked about you and I about how there's something distinctly Canadian going on, even yes. if we can't figure out what it is. But yeah. Canadian songwriters just tend to sound
0: and it's it's different. it's funny because there's regional twists on it. Yes. Like obviously, there's East Coast, West Coast. There's Ontario. There's southwestern Ontario. There's Windsor. There's Toronto. There's specific styles that come out of it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, there is something that ties all of them together.
1: Yeah, there's some thing that you can hear Canadianness, whatever it is. You can hear it sometimes, mm-hmm. frequently. So what, what um, do you
0: what do you think that what? I mean, well, it's a big question. But what do, what do you think contributes to that? I I have no idea. Um, I think
1: our culture is more different from America than people pretend it is. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it goes back to the very beginning of the country. And these are things I can't even talk about on an, in an educated way, but the things yeah. I just think. And maybe I'm right. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously... <laughs> but things
1: about how we were founded along the border. We were founded along waterways. Like, we never had a frontier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We didn't work like that. There wasn't this big line of people moving forward. Yeah. We were outposts. Everything's an outpost, and and that's why you have all these tight communities forming in these small places. Like, Mm -hmm. Windsor's a great example of a tight community. Guelph, Mm -hmm. really tight, small community. Peterborough, Mm -hmm. places like this where where there's something happening. Everybody's just kind of influenced by each other, rather than going for this big sort of own the world thing.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, I think what makes Canadian culture unique is that we are influence not only in that way but also we are influenced by american culture very very much so it's the oh, most porous cultural border in the world by far uh we we're inundated with tv with radio with with everything is is american as much you know as much as it is canadian so i think that also shapes it in a certain way that's different from how how united states how, how american songwriters would do it mm-hmm. and also there's this european influence because there's a, a lot of european immigrants uh you know first second third generation european immigrants and i think canada has always seen itself as sort of a north america's version of europe whether or not that's true and it's certainly true in quebec i think oh sure yeah but uh, but so there's that too there's these interplay of all these different things plus there's the geography there's not a lot of people i mean you get outside the 401 streets and there's nobody there space.
1: Uh, people talk about the woods a lot in canadian songs rivers yeah. um i've i've met american songwriters who've specifically said like you guys all just sing about you know nature
0: <laughs> sing about the mountains and yeah. i
1: had never really noticed it before because well, max I just marshall does that a lot me. oh well sure <laughs> okay that brings yes. me back to one thing i wanted to bring up was um is a conversation i was on the road with max for august and uh, we kept having this conversation about um folk songs versus singer songwriter mm-hmm. and i, I think singer song i believe singer songwriter is actually a genre now Distinct from folk, heavily heavily influenced by folk, um, yes. but contemporary singer songwriter is is, for me the real difference is that folk songs are telling a story. Singer songwriter is describing something, something. a feeling yeah. or a m- moment, or it's 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 introspective and it's there's no narrative. It's not it's like a, more like a painting rather than a film.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think, like you say, there's there's influences of folk in terms of, for instance, how you might play the guitar, or what instruments you're using, or the melodies you're using. And then a lot of construction, yeah. Yeah, and that can all be based in folk. I think that's kind of the writer that I am. I mean, as much as I I sometimes will try to write a story, I think a lot of my songs are more picture-oriented, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not, they don't move, necessarily. Um there's something I'd like to change, or at least at least I'd like to introduce more of the songwriting style, or of the, uh, sorry, of the storytelling style, mm-hmm. but, and whereas whereas I get the impression from you, at least the stuff you've written over the last probably year and a half, two years, you're more on the storytelling side. A lot of, it seems like, to me anyway, a lot of the time.
1: I I, I would say, I would say otherwise, but really? maybe I just don't <laughs> have a clear view of myself. Well, I definitely don't have a clear view of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I am, but. Just, that's why I write and that's another thing that's why I write songs and it's, it's like you know the academics you're talking about music school and I think those people are having this academic approach to songwriting and they're interested in it or interested in music composition uh, mentally whereas I think what a lot of really great songwriters have to write songs mm-hmm. and they're doing it for they, because they need to because they're trying to work through something
0: Mm-hmm. And it's that like there's therapy, always an almost.
1: internal drive rather than
0: just the joy of writing songs, you know? Yeah. It's a drive to create as a means of therapy or uh, comfort or, or whatever it happens to be. Or maybe... Just
1: expression, just a form of communication yeah. that they can't get mm-hmm. in other ways. And I was playing in this... Uh, I just I spent the weekend for my mom's birthday and um, I did a few songs there and... Uh, One of her friends was there and she said, this is the same Derek playing and telling us all these stories behind his songs, who basically when he was, you know, seven, eight, wouldn't talk at all. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, then that's because now I'm the reason why I like getting on stage is because it gives me a reason to talk. It makes me feel entitled to talk. Yeah, I can get up in front of a room and say, it's my turn now, everybody. <laughs> Listen to me. Because in life, growing up, I had so few opportunities to do that as the youngest of four kids. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a way to really express myself properly and be paid attention to. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the reason why I like being on stage.
0: Yeah, and I think... Because I have a very love-hate relationship with, state, with, uh, with being on the stage. Um, but I think the reason... On the love side is, is for that exact same reason I've, I've always been kind of a shy person at least I was growing up and uh, I'm less shy on stage it's it's more I'm more able to express what it is I want to say like you're saying and and also um, I think that that has a negative side too if you're someone who's not used to being the center of attention who doesn't necessarily like that you get up on stage and now you are that center of attention mm-hmm. and, and that can to. also give you that feeling of uncomfortable like oh crap let, I need to get out of here so well, that's for everybody, that.
1: the first time you get on stage is nerve wracking and scary,
0: or or every time in my case. In in some cases, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I think, like I say, it's uh, if there's something about that stage performance that I find like that's un- making me uncomfortable, then it's a much less pleasurable experience. It doesn't mm. mean that my my performance is necessarily going to be affected. I think I'm I'm to the point now where I'm good enough on stage that I can mask that. You're a pro now. I'm pro now. Yeah, I'm just better at it. I used to, it yeah. used to really affect me. You could tell if I was uncomfortable on stage. Whereas, right. Whereas yeah, now, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think, I think now I'm more able to, even if I am uncomfortable, I'm more able to skew that.
1: Yeah, I used to, I used to get quite nervous. And, uh, and, and I got over a lot of it by playing in bands up in Montreal and mm-hmm. going on stage all the time. And not necessarily as a front man, but I much prefer being a front man. I like to be... The one who gets to do all the talking. I yeah. feel more comfortable when I'm on loan on stage or fronting out of my own band than when I'm a side player.
0: Yeah, I do too. But um, that's because I don't really play anything on the side. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Because you don't know what to do when you're a side. Player. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't. I play a rhythm acoustic guitar and sing. Yeah. That's really all I do. <laughs> I get, I mean, I can play some other things. But uh, you you're, you have you have more of a function. Like I met you as a side man.
1: Yeah, I was in your band.
0: Yeah, you you were the first person really that I allowed to play on stage with me extensively
1: allowed to i like allowed that. to yes because i honestly it did people ask you and you refused
0: yes and i would refuse because i think i think i wasn't comfortable with them as people okay and so sure. i knew that being on stage with them would make me more uncomfortable, more uncomfortable. than i you, already was you have to be able to trust the person you don't have you yeah. don't want to have to look at them all the time to make sure they're doing the right thing yeah not that i want to turn this into a love fest or anything but but like, wait, 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 the first I, time... I do. I think we should just <laughs> the, keep telling me reasons why. The, the first good. time you, you were on stage with me, I think it wasn't even really on stage. It was at that Sanctuary Coffee sanctuary. House we used to hang out at. That's where we met. And I, I was just playing one of my songs and you're playing along with it. And you had this like weird way uh, of playing the song. Like you would you would play lead, but you wouldn't do it in a traditional way. It would sound different and weird and add this element of weirdness to my songs that I'm not capable of doing myself. Uh, which is what gravitated me toward you in that way because i really wanted that element to come out Hmm. uh and i wasn't getting that with other players other players might just play oh that that same lead riff that i that i can hear in my head and that i've heard in my head a million times and i want to hear something else you know yeah i get bored of that stuff
1: i Mm want i want to do something that's a little strange and
0: and at the time you weren't really much into folk music i don't think
1: no uh well i mean no i guess not now that i think about it that was a long time ago
0: um Mm -hmm. That's when I was into
1: prog music, but I was into folky prog music like I always was and I was into, you know, bands like Flocking Molly and and the Pogues and stuff. I was into music that was connected to folk music. I just hadn't found myself all the way back yet. Yeah. All the way back to the source.
0: That was the first episode of I Quit My Job, a Canadian songwriting podcast. We hope you liked it. We promise that will be the last time you hear the two of us prattle on by ourselves. From here on out, we'll be interviewing songwriters. Our plan is to release a new episode every two weeks. Episode 2, to be released on March 24th, will feature a good friend of both Derek and me, Luke McKielsen from Kitchener, Ontario. On top of being one of the nicest and most genuine people you'll ever meet, Luke is a tremendous songwriter with multiple releases, including his latest, Oh Surround Me, released last fall. For more information on Luke and his music, you can visit LukeMcKilson.com. That's L-U-K-E-M-I-C-H-I-E-L-S-E-N.com. We're still getting all of our website and social media stuff sussed out, so please be patient with us. For now, you can follow us on Twitter at IQMJPod, and check out our website at www.IQMJPod.com. If you'd like to contact us for more information on the podcast, or possibly recommend yourself or someone else to be a guest on the show please email us at iqmjpod at gmail.com. See you in two weeks.
1: I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today.